Bienvenidos y welcome to the Biz Bruja podcast, where reclaiming our powerful intuition, our sacred medicina, embracing our magic and healing ancestral patterns, invoke powerful creations in our own well-being, our lives, familias, community, and our businesses. Remembering that our businesses are so important at this time. I'm the creatrix of this blogcast, the Biz Bruja herself, Vanessa Codornu, a modern-day bruja, fourth-generation psychic medium, clinical hypnotist, energy healer, and soul biz mentor and coach. An Argentine-American who started reading adults at 16, became a professional intuitive at 22, and now guides creatives, intuitives, healers, and entrepreneurs to break through fears, connect to the practical power of their intuition so they can serve the world powerfully. Hola, bienvenidos. I am so, so excited today to sit down with a woman that I met maybe a year or two ago online when she interviewed me on IG. And I've been watching her, supporting her from afar, from a near, you know, through messaging. And I just had to bring Michelle Gomez here today. Gracias, Michelle. Thank you, Michelle, for being here today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me, sister. Yeah, I'm so happy. Uh, we're going to dive deep into something that we should be talking about, um, something that most of us carry in some way, shape, or another. And so we're going to go deep. So everyone, por favor, prepárense. But before we get into it, I really want to read her bio. So Michelle Gomez is a spiritual life coach with a specialty in healing the Latina mother wound. She has endured the painful process of healing the wounds left by traumatic experiences from her childhood. Michelle understands what it takes to heal these experiences through her 11-year journey to heal herself and has learned how to alchemize pain and use it to rebirth ourselves as empowered women. Michelle is a sacred space holder for women who need guidance, a safe place to land, and a sister to lean on. When you heal yourself, you heal your lineage. And that is a quote from Michelle. <laughs> Michelle, when did you realize that When did you realize that you had a wound, a mother wound? It was probably um, hmm, 2018. Um, for so long, I had been focused on my father wound because my dad wasn't around. So it, operating in my wounded masculine, you know, it was my desire to try to um, be anything but a statistic of a daddyless daughter. You know, I was like, no, 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 I'm going to go out there. I'm going to conquer the world. I'm going to be successful. And then the first gen urge of like, I have to go to college. I have to get the degrees. I have to be great. I can't afford to be mediocre because I have too much to prove. Mm -hmm. And it all came from a wounded masculine sense of self. Right. And so I, my little girl brain, I, and I talk about it in my book, my little girl brain thought, you know, even as a little girl, if I just get good grades and if I am just like the star of my school and I just do so well, my dad is going to hear about all of these things and he's just going to be inspired to come back and be this great man and like be in my life. And so I was performing to earn his love in my own little girl way. So that followed me into my academic career, my uh, professional career, just seeking out the validation um, of men, the men that I worked for, the men that I worked with, I was just one of those alpha females that was just, 
And it was all in pursuit of my dad's gaze. It was all in pursuit of his presence when he wasn't around, right? So um, I was operating from that. So my father wound was right in my center point of vision. It was all I thought about. It was all I talked about. And I carried it like a badge of honor. But I didn't realize until I started to heal that. I went to therapy, started to heal all that stuff. And I started to emerge without that, that I was like, there's still something. I'm not, why is it that I can't find contentment with what everything I've achieved? You know, I was, I got my bachelor's, I got my master's, you know, everything that they tell you to do as a first gen daughter, I'm the eldest daughter, I'm the first gen, I'm the eldest daughter, eldest granddaughter. And it's this like, get out there and do it. So I did it all. Yeah. Vanessa, I did it all. I got my degrees. I bought the big, beautiful house. I drove the big, fancy car. I got the titles, the six-figure salary. I did it all. And I got the mar- I was married with the two children. And I'm just thinking, why am I not happy? Why? You know, and if I found out it wasn't, it wasn't my wounded masculine anymore. Now it was my wounded feminine. I was just like, there's something innately not lovable or worthy about myself. Where does that come from? And I always with my mom and I, uh, we've always had a tense relationship. We always had like a difficult relationship, right? Um, but I, you know, I always assumed it's just because, you know, she's difficult and she's got her own little pet peeves and whatnot, right? But I found out as I was learning about the mother wound and how it shows up and how it comes through a woman, I'm like, ah, okay. This is why I don't feel comfortable with other women at the time. You know, this is why I don't have a lot of friendships. This is why I don't, I, I tend, I'm te- I tend to be a guy's girl. You know, I tend to operate in my alpha because I don't feel safe being soft and receiving and feeling connection, you know, um, and, and being able to just be still and be. And where did that come from? And I learned it from my mom. I started unpacking everything that I learned and picked up, you know, I, you hear, I heard a phrase once that said with children, a lot more is caught than taught. So I caught a lot. I caught on to, I picked up what she was laying down, you know, about, you know, a lot of things, men, motherhood, finances, um, and just how she operated in life. I inherited a lot of that. And so I started to realize that a lot of my pain and a lot of the frustration that I felt with her in our relationship was because she didn't value herself enough and she she projected her insecurities onto me and made them my problem and made you know that that saying um we have to get to a place in our lives where we have to forgive our moms for allowing us to be the burden of their pain instead of them handling it right and so i had to really unpack all of that and it meant going back to therapy it meant bringing up things from the past and it meant looking at things from a new perspective. And I realized, yeah, this is definitely another, I thought my work, I thought my work was done. Like if I healed my, my father wound. We're good. Um, and no, in 2018 is when it hit me so hard that, I mean, even my book on imposter syndrome, I found out in the process of writing that book that, um, a large percentage of women who say they struggle with imposter syndrome, a lot of them have the same experience of having a very difficult relationship with their mothers. And I'm like, oh, mother wound contributes to imposter syndrome. Who would have, I would have never known that if I hadn't followed my path of healing. You know, and the healing path, it kind of opens up different doors and things get connected in different ways. But essentially, yeah, 2018 is when I was like, oh, shoot, I guess we're going back to therapy. 
You know, I, I, I resonate to a lot of what you're saying and thank you for going in so deeply um, because I think that a lot of us, just from talking to clients for a long time and also me being my own client and doing my own therapy, mi propia sanación, is that um, the father sometimes is the one in direct vision. It's easier in some way because the mother is the one who reflects our gender, right? So she gets hidden sometimes. And I know that with, I started when I was in therapy, um, I would focus on my dad too. And he was present, but he wasn't present, right? And critical. And I, and so I related to what you said. And, you know, I did not go on to my master's because I left home and I got the, if you leave home now, we will pull all financial. And they bounced a check at NYU at Tisch. Uh, but I was a champion debater in, uh, I was third in the country with my partner uh, when I was 19 years old. But where did that come from? <laughs> that came from debating with my dad and trying to like prove him wrong, right? Yeah. So that whole over masculine, leaning into the masculine, succeeding, pushing through the pain, pushing through no matter what. Um, even I think, I don't know if you've experienced this, I used to sometimes put down the feminine, like, softness as we silly women. I would call them silly. Oh, that's silly woman stuff. No, I don't right, have time right. silly. I'm out well, here. I had women friends in. always, but I always thought like tears and all this. And I went through a time when I was disconnected from my own feelings, but then thankfully, and now I cry. I mean, I'm strong as fuck, but I cry. It's like, I love know. the feminine now. I love it. It's oh. just, oh, it's beautiful. And, and, and I feel that for hijas specifically that are that goes through that like you had your father who was there physically but maybe emotionally psychologically spiritually abusive just, yeah just abusive closed off just unavailable you know in those capacities but when the father is absent if the mother I mean the the, the Latina mother the BIPOC mother will uh, somehow in some weird way it happens they turn to the eldest daughter as now sort of like this emotional support animal. And so for a long while, I didn't know I had a mother wound because I was too busy being my mom's partner in crime. I was too busy yeah. being a pseudo adult, yeah. helping care for my siblings, helping her run the house. Because, so and, I, yeah, no, I relate to you so Put me behind, like next to her as like, he didn't leave me, he left us and sort of created this like army behind her, you know, and... And got us to be on board, like, like she would tell me, oh, he left us, you know, and as a child, letting me feel that sense of betrayal from my own father. And so I was so angry and hurt that I wasn't looking at what she was doing at the time. I was looking at like, no, I need to be on her side. You know, yeah. I need to defend her. I need to protect her. But I, again, you look at it later on in life. I was seven years old. I was seven, you know, yeah. there's. I shouldn't have been anyone's emotional support animal at that point. I, I, I should have been a kid. And I Absolutely. stopped being a kid early, right? And so that was part of the healing I had. I had to learn to heal from the resent, like a lot of the resentment and the toxicity in our relationship was um, her getting to realize that I was no longer going to be that for her because I started creating my own family. So I was like, no, I am not you need to go find help someone else to be your workhorse because I'm not doing it, right? There was that, but also the anger from my end because I, I was just, it's not all one-sided. I was just as difficult and hard exterior. I used to call myself a porcupine. I was just like real prickly. Don't touch me. Don't get close to me. I don't want to know. I was very, very closed off, but I was dealing with the resentment of realizing 
I, I wasn't allowed to be a kid. I was, I was leaned on at a time in my life where I shouldn't have been and she should have known better and she should have went and got help and, and all those things. And, and so we were really just becoming face to face with those things in our own individual ways. And that was a lot of the friction between us that, and then other things in the family, you know, family drama and, you know, my brother, I have a brother who's been in and out of prison for the last 20 years and he struggles with addiction. Um, and so that, I mean, I've, I've learned a lot about that process too. Like when, when there's addiction in the family, it started with my father. My father was an alcoholic and my brother is, um, he's just have He's an addict to crystal meth, but he's, he has an addictive personality that's been inherited through the DNA of my father. So I've learned a lot about addiction and, and how it's, it's a family illness because it really affects the entire family. And so, um, so, you know, that added to the complexity of my relationship with my mom, you know, because the way she treated him versus me, she's, and of course the whole Latina mothers, how they look at their sons and give them. Oh, they definitely, my sister's always pointing that out, that my mom and even though, like we were talking about, you know, our stories are different, but I'm relating as somebody whose dad didn't leave, but he he put me down and abused me to my face um, and all of us in different ways, that I was my mom's support item from a very young age. I read her starting at the age of 16, 15. Like, I literally read her. And so now I'm like, defending you, I'm reading you, like I'm your spiritual advisor shouldn't have to be and changing diapers since the age of 10, 11 and making bottles. It's like, um, it's, it's wild because as someone whose dad left as someone whose dad stayed, but there was abuse and dysfunction, the older sister has to step in in some way, but I've met older sisters and this has been shocking to me. I have met Latina older sisters who were like, they're not my kids. You're not my mom. And they just left. And did whatever they did, but Have then to at some point, yeah. No, no, they did it at fifteen, and then they were like not oh. actually nice to anybody because they were like, <laughs> you. So everybody has something, and yeah. I do. When I think like when I listen to you, we have to. When I went away to, at eighteen to go away to college, everybody felt I betrayed them, my siblings, my parents. And then as I got older, and then I left, like they pulled the financial backing for me to go to NYU. I had to fight to go back to school. There's such a price to pay for our freedom, but if we don't have our freedom that's another price to pay. Yeah. yeah. So what are some signs? Cause you've gone in so much detail. Thank you for sharing. You know, what are some of the things for people who are listening, whether they hear and they're like, Oh yeah, my dad left or no, my dad stayed, but he was unavailable or abusive. Like they're hearing two sides here. What are some signs that people are carrying the Latina mother wound? If you, it's a relational wound, really. The mother wound is a relational wound, it, it, but it has an, a different layer to it when you come from our culture, right? Because our culture's indoctrination of women um, is heavily contributed by systems of oppression. So the way that we were raised, our mothers were being the mothers that they were taught to be by enforcing things like Marianismo, patriarchy, organized religion, purity culture. Um, and... The, the the confusing part of it all is like your first gen, you're born here, you're, you're a citizen, you know, naturalized citizen, right? You have access to resources, right? And a new way of life here. And, but yet you're still getting pulled by the traditional expectations of your parents and of your background. So the way I formulated is if you are struggling to fully accept who you are as a woman, if you, if your relationship with yourself is martyred by 
the way that you were treated by your mom, the way your mom feels about herself and other women, your ability to find safety in yourself and your body and your consciousness, that tends to show through as a mother wound, right? But then when you also feel a slight discomfort with your culture. Like you could say, I love my culture. I love my tradition. I love the people, the food, the music and all that stuff. However, I feel personally victimized by some of the expectations um, of those traditions, you know, imposed upon me, you know, because it doesn't align with who I want to be and how I want to show up in the world anymore. And it could be things like, I don't want to be a Catholic anymore, or I don't want to get married and have children, or I'm, I don't like men. I prefer women, you know, like, or I want to be in a polyamorous relationship, whatever it is, you know, but if it, if it pulls you further and further away, disconnects you from the acceptance of your culture, um, then it, and it's because of the, what the things that your mom said to you, your family said to you, then that's likely a signs of a Latina mother wound. Thank you for that. And how did you, what were some of the what were some of the awarenesses or what were some of the, maybe if it was a turning point where you started, because, you know, first could be rage, anger, all these things, where you finally had a turning point where there were, is there more forgiveness now? Are you a greater peace? What is your, like, was there a turning point? What was it like? Definitely there was a turning point. Um, through my work, I started to incorporate karmic energy healing into my practices. Um, and I started to, call on my ancestral lineage to support me along the way. And I started to open up a portal of communication between me and my great grandmother, which is my mom's grandmother. And so I started to lean on her because she started to come through a lot for me in my meditation, in my dream state. And even in the karmic energy healing that I was doing, there were times that I, you know, I had to look past my mom and look at her and be like, come get your girl, come get her because me estaba viendo loca. You know, like I would have to like, and and even even what she was asking of me, because there were there one time she did ask, like I was telling her that I thought it was unfair of me to have to face the reality that I'm going to have to take care of my mom at some point. There's going to be a time in her life where I'm going to have to bring her in to live with me and I'm going to have to take care of her financially and make sure she gets to alter her doctor's appointments and takes her medication and all that. That's going to fall on me because I already know my brothers are not going to do it. So I was explaining to her that that was the turning point for me I was explaining to her like you know abuela I just don't think this is fair like why why you know she didn't do that for me she didn't help me pay for college she didn't help me pay for my wedding she kicked me out at 19 I'm not even the drug addict who's in and out of prison and she kicked me out the person who helped her raise these boys you know what I mean and and I felt so thrown away and left out on my own and I was in such a vulnerable state so to be then facing the reality that now I have to take care of her when she didn't do that for me, you know, and I was just grappling with that reality. And my abuelita, as clear as day, was like, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you as your great grandmother to take care of my granddaughter. I realize she's difficult. I know. But I'm asking you out of love to do this for her. She doesn't deserve it. But it doesn't mean I'm not going to ask you to do it. Mm. That was the turn. I was like, okay, well, then we really got to lean in and do some healing. Because you know what? I need to prepare my heart 
and my spirit for that season of life when it presents itself, right? Because I don't want to enter that season of my life, whenever that is, you know, um, with anger, resentment, bitterness, that's not going to be good for either one of us. <laughs> you know, we're both going to be miserable under the same roof, you know? And I was just like, okay. So that's when I got really, really clear. Okay. So I was like, all right, if we're going to do this, I'm going to need your help. I'm going to need all of you. I called on her. I called on my grandpa who passed away. I called on my grandmother on my dad's side. I called on my great, great grandpa, all of them. I have them all on my altar. And I was like, I can't do this alone. I need your help. And so they've just been with me. And I've also connected to like the soul level, karmic soul level of my mom. So my mom's like higher self. So my mom's higher self has been working with me a lot. And, mm -hmm. you know, kind of, and it's really just deeper const family constellation work. But that basically to answer your question, the turning point was, yeah, when my grandmother, I can see it, I can close my eyes and see it just like straight at the face. Like, and it, at one point I even told my mom, just so you know, your grandmother, that lady loves you. Let me tell you. She, she, you are the apple of her eye. Just like I am the apple of my grandmother's eye. You are the apple of her because she will move mountains and make any sort of request on your behalf. So you don't have to worry about a thing. You're going to be taken care of no matter what, because she's ordained it. And, it. and that's just what the lineage calls for. And as, as the daughter who can do that, yeah, going to answer the call of my ancestor. So that was their turning point for me. And, this, and there's been way so much more patience, compassion, forgiveness, you know, but I've also learned to, my mom was a whole woman before I was even here. Like she is a whole person, you know, and, and so I'm learning to view her from that perspective as like a sister woman, instead of my mom who let me down in all these ways, you know, it's just like, well, she's just a person, you know, she's here on her own path and kind of doing was, the best she could with what she had, what she knew. And I don't got to take it personal. Just like, and I shared just yesterday, Sunday, you know, she shows up at my house sometimes in a, in a mood and those moods can be very triggering and it could take me back to an unhealed place in, in my life where I would get very, very overwhelmed, triggered, um, and go into like a spiral, you know, but I, I've learned so much and healed so much. And, you know, I was like, no, we're not doing that. So she came here for a little bit with her funky attitude and she left with her funky attitude and it didn't ruin my day. It didn't change my mood. You know, I actually leaned on ancestral practices to support me before she got here and after she left so that I could just reclaim my power and re you know, reclaim my energy. But again, it's, it's, it's these turning points. It's these knowings of our ancestral ways and knowing that we have support for our ancestors and that, you know, even, even when we question why we're being called to do the work and why we're being called to step up. Um, it's usually, usually out of love. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much. I love how you just go deep and you're no bones about it. You're like, esto lo que es, right? So I love that. And it's so true. And there is like a spiritual bypassing, like ideas out there that if you're spiritual and you do ancestral healing and you're that somehow you evolve past things, but the thing is, you're always going to deal, we're going to deal with loss, we're going to deal with pain, we're going to deal with our own trauma, or with our ancestors' trauma. It's just going to teach us how to handle it. And that's mm -hmm. why I tell folks, there's a lot of young um, healers out there who 
spent their time training during the pandemic and they just came out and they're like thinking life is, and I'm like, girl, like I lost half my family during 2020 and spirit told me, and then they're like, and you can do nothing about it. All you could do is stay grounded, do your practices, love them, forgive them. Um, and so when it happens, you can be in a better place. And I love that you brought up how you did ancestral practices before and after, and that's what we have to do. And I think that colonization has taught us almost to just sit in the funk of it or go to Netflix or Hulu, <laughs> no Netflix, right? Or all the things or HBO Max, however it goes. Um, that there's something about the immediacy that I was telling people, you know, when I went through my loss, um, I cried every day. I still showed up. We bought a house that year, tripled my business. Like all these amazing, cause spirit was like an ancestors were like, guess what? This is your moment. Like you have to, you have to do what you've always done. And I mean, my best at the same time, I was taking a walk. I was crying. I was making an offering. I was doing all the spiritual things and the practices that were filling my heart. And so I love that you said you tapped into spiritual practices, ancestral practices before she came and after. And I encourage listeners, this is not just some cool shit that you do in like a weekend workshop. This is not some cute shit that we're doing on TikTok. This is not some, because it's trendy now. These are practices that our ancestors and we have reclaimed to learn to live our lives and to manage our trauma and to manage our gifts, to manage our businesses, to manage our thriving in this existence, right? More than surviving. So if you have some um, ancestral trainings for people out there, if you have Reiki, if you have other things, use them. Don't just use them when you feel good, when you're at the workshop doing the thing and lighting the, like, as you're crying, like I'm crying sometimes, like saging the house or con sal medio or, you know, chanting. And I'm like with tears and sobbing. This is what our ancestors did. And this is what we're called to do. For you, Michelle, I have a question. And I think you alluded to it already, but I want to go deeper. What are some of the ancestral um, patterns you broke? Because you're the disruptor of your lineage, like, you know. Uh, uh. So what are the things that you broke? You mentioned some of Marianismo, all of this, but. There's definitely a few patterns, um, I guess, cycles that have been broken by my showing up to do the hard things. So definitely I'm the first in my family that has stayed, that's had a successful marriage. Yes. My mother's been married three times. Um, my grandmother was even married twice and, and. You know, just the women in my family, they're, they're just, we struggle to pick good partners. Um, and I really, in all of every fiber of my bones, I know my husband was picked out for me. I know that my ancestors spoke to his ancestors. I mean, we found out, because I'm Mexican and Ecuadorian, we found out on our Mexican side when we did our, our DNA that our families were from the same part of, of Mexico. Yeah. God. So I have no doubt in the ethereal realm of the cosmos that my ancestors and our angels are like these two, these two, even if it means, I mean, I don't know what that means forever. You know, I, I really trust the path and I trust, I respect people's paths. So if my husband were to tell me tomorrow that, you know, Hey, I don't want to be married anymore. I kind of want to discover myself and I want to do something. I'd be like, I completely understand that. And I won't take it. You know, I won't, I'll, I'm allowed to be devastated and grieve yes. the end of 
a marriage. However, I respect the soul's path. I respect everyone's path, right? And we all just want to come home to ourselves in some way. But for, for the cycle that we're in and the life that we've created together, I absolutely 100%, 100% believe that our ancestors created us. Like we are souls connected in some way. And, and he'll even tell, he even tells me if we were in another lifetime, I will find you. I will come and I will find you. We are going, I've been told we've, we've had prior lives together. So, so knowing that I feel like our, our marriage is a testament to that belief, right? So I've broken the cycle of divorce. I've broken the cycle of, um, I don't want to say ungentle, but toxic parenting. Um, so I don't hit my kids. I don't curse at my children. I don't play mind games. I don't yell at them. I don't call them names. Um, and I'm also not teaching them to be these Stepford wives. Yeah. I'm actually, my goal is to raise dangerous women, meaning women that are so self-aware, so self-accepting that they can't be controlled, manipulated or anything by anyone's opinions or expectations or projections. Like they are so aware and accepting of who they are and they value themselves so much that it makes them dangerous because they can't be controlled. So yeah. that's my, my goal. So I'm breaking that pattern. Um, definitely breaking the pattern of lack. You know, my husband and I are the first ones in our family that, you know, we've lived well financially, thank goodness. You know, we've invested our money. We've started a living trust. We've traveled with our children. We, you know, we uh, we don't live in lack. And much of our families struggled in lack. They lived, they normalized it you know, yes. to the point now it's a mindset. Like even I, I, I say often, even if my mom was, you know, earned a million dollars tomorrow, she would be already thinking about how it's going to help. It's going to get lost. How much time do I have with it? And she's already knowing it's going to go away. It's going to slip through her fingers. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot, it's a mentality now. It's not even about the amount of money or the resources because it'll never be enough because she comes from a lack mentality. Right. So, um, we've broken that cycle. Um, um, and I guess also just abuse, domestic abuse and sexual abuse. So my mom was physically abused by my father. So my husband doesn't put his hands on me. So we've met closed, we've closed that chapter. And um, I am a survivor from childhood sexual trauma, um, being sexually abused by men in my, in, in my childhood. Um, and my children, fortunately, have not experienced that. Like to fact... When I started seeing them get to the ages and leave that, like, it started for me, it started when I was nine, and it went up till about 13. So the minute, like, my my kids started getting to those ages, the anxiety just was like, because oh, I was about to see a version of myself walking around, and I would see their nine-year-old and 13-year-old selves walking around and thinking, I can't even imagine seeing if I would see myself at those ages, walking around, knowing what I was carrying inside the secrets that I was holding. And my children don't have to hold secrets with me. We talk very openly about everything. And um, so, yeah, those, those are the cycles we've, we've broken oh, so far. That is so powerful, Michelle. And I'm so honored to have you here speaking on this because you're also letting audience members know who are not there yet that there's a way through. And that just because they've been through abuse or experienced it, sexual, mental, physical, that our daughters don't have to, like we can change it. And even if there is like some sort of legacy of divorce or breakup or choosing the wrong people, that we can heal and we can, and that we could also invoke spirit to help us. What are the gifts you're leaning into? Los dones espirituales, like that mm -hmm. you're leaning into. Ancestral, yeah. 
I mean, the first one I think is the most obvious. It's your intuition. Definitely. I mean, if I didn't know I had one. I didn't know I could trust it. Uh, being raised with the idea that, you know, los que dirán and we have to please everyone else and uh, get everyone's buy-in and approval of how you live, why you live, where you live and what you do with yourself. Like it was breaking free from that was really great because then I could go in and actually ask my intuition, what do I, re- what do I really want for me? What do, What is good for me? What is richness and love and abundance look like for me you know because for others people it's going to be their version but yeah definitely leaning into my intuition I definitely lean on Pachamama so in so many ways I mean water bodies of water to me are home I whenever I am just emotionally tapped out I just need to go to, luckily I live right 10 minutes down from a beautiful lake with huge apples, huge mountains that I can be with. And I go there and spend a half hour and it's like, it's like a portal for me. Like the, the, all the worries and the struggles and the timelines and everything I was carrying going in when I sit there with her, with Mama Cocha, with, when I sit there with the Apus, when I sit there with Papa Sol and I get the visits from the familiars, I get the birds and I see the, I see the, the chip, the, the chipmunks, the squirrels come and visit me. You know, I get the signs, you know, it's every time a colibri comes through, I don't know, it's my grandfather. And it's, it's just Pachamama and all of our spirit animals coming from all four directions to remind me we are here. We are here. Don't get wrapped up in this 3D capitalistic situation that you think is a problem. Like leave here with a new perspective and a new reality. So I definitely lean on Pachamama, on Mother Earth, on Mother Gaia, on on the and on the animals and um just it helps me remember that I am everything and nothing all at once. Like I'm, I'm just a small portion of this great big story and this great beautiful existence. And these little, little problems that I think are, you know, are, are so huge just become so silly and minuscule when you look at just the fact that this stream of water is moving without anyone touching it. This sun is going up every day faithfully without anyone asking it to do it, right? I can lean into mother, grandmother moon, Nana Luna. I can sit outside with her and just talk to her and receive her wisdom. And remember that I too am a woman with 28 cycles and I don't have to be the same person I was last season. I'm allowed to grow and evolve and change and realign. And so leaning into those gifts that aren't mine, but they're there available to me is is everything. I love that so much. I'm envisioning you like literally with the sun going down, the sun going down, the blaze of grass, and then the chipmunks talking to you in the colibri. Um, How has this impacted, how has doing this work impacted your business or your calling for the better? It's (laughs) reminded me that I'm not the answer. I'm just the guide. Literally. I think so many times when we start to get people in the spiritual space can be very you know, we get into this God mentality and we think I'm the fixer. You know, we get in our ego sometimes, right? But um, being in nature and being with your ancestors, being in um, the elements of it all reminds you that you're you're just a small part here. And all you're doing is showing other people, you're walking people home to themselves. That's all. I mean, my whole goal would be just for the women to awaken to their own safety and 
be able to enjoy the same things I enjoy, sisterhood, connection, love, communication, you know, nature, animals, you know, all, all the different wellsprings of deaths and rebirths. Like that's all I w- want women to know. And some women don't know that. Some women are still indoctrinated and programmed in their wounds. And so we get to heal that stuff and get out of that programming and figure, I, 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 when I try to explain my work, my work is I want to help you figure out who you are without the wound. Who is the woman without the wound? Because maybe this wound has painted your identity in such a way that you walk, you don't even know that you're walking around with this mother wound because you're just projecting in on everything else. And everyone else around you is like, oof, she's, yeah, she's, this one's got something going on, right? But to you, it's like you're operating in your wound. You're trying to protect yourself and you're putting up walls around but who are you underneath all that? Like, what would you be? How would your decisions be different? And who, who, how would you walk this earth if you quantum leaped out of this ideology that you have a mother wound? What, what would you be without the wound? What if it never happened to you? It's kind of like, and I hate to put it in this way, but like when you think about sexual trauma as a childhood, right? And you think about how people who didn't experience Things like sexual trauma or immigration or family breakdown, addiction, incarceration, all the things that you hear about in the in the ACE scores, right? The adverse childhood experiences. And you look at the difficult track of someone who's experienced that versus someone who didn't. Maybe someone who did not had the privilege of not having those things happen and how they've gotten ahead in life or how they are living in a more authentic and fulfilled way because they're not they're not carrying all this stuff. So my hope is to figure out who you are without all this stuff. Like, what if there's a better future, a better way of living if you never had this experience? Right. Mm, I love that. Thank you, Michelle. This has been so wonderful having you here. I was so excited because I'm like, I know she's going to lay it down. She's going to be real. And you have been. Um, Tell me what's coming up for your coaching program and where people can find you. Yes, we are actually in in about the fourth end of it now, almost done creating my 12-week group coaching course. Um, it's I'm so excited to share it and host our first inaugural cohort. But basically, it's a wisdom portal. It's everything I've learned in the, in the past 11 years, everything I've learned and putting it into this portal. And it'll be six phases of healing six different mo- different um, seasons of your healing, but you get to experience it in 12 weeks with the support of me and the cohort of women that you'll be in it with. And it will include 12 live calls where I will hold space for you through a different healing modality. Um, but it's also a place that you will have lifelong access to. So as I grow and evolve as a person in my own medicine and my own healing, there's going to be new things that come up for me, new ways of learning, new ways of healing that I will be able to add into the portal. So even if you were part of the first cohort, if by the seventh cohort, there's so much more in there, you can still access it because it's lifetime. So I'm excited to have somewhere where I can put all of this because for so long it was like, do I create another digital item? Do I offer this as a mastermind? Did, and it was just like, I didn't I didn't know where to put it. And now I'm going to have a portal where to put this, you know, put this information, these downloads, these things that come through to me. So I'm excited for that to come out very soon. I love that so much. And where can people find you? 
You can find me on my website at michellemgomez.com, on Instagram at mgwarriorwoman, and that's also TikTok, mgwarriorwoman. I love that so much. Gracias, Michelle, por estar con nosotros. Thank you, everyone. Reach out, follow Michelle. She's amazing. And uh, I, I hope that this has left you with hope, with understanding that there's a way forward. And maybe for some of you out there who were like, I didn't know I had a mother wound, and maybe you realize. Um, so you can begin to do the work and connect the person and connect the life that you would be, as Michelle said, if this hadn't happened. Así que muchas gracias. Thank you, everyone. Gracias, Michelle.